Hey gang, we got a lot of cool new features to go over uh, from StreamYard, some really groundbreaking stuff and more good stuff to come. And of course, we're going to talk about booking guests today because it's something that people sometimes struggle with. And even when they do it well, it takes a lot of time. Brent Basham from potit.net is here. Let's start the show. Welcome to StreamYard Connect. I'm Ross Brand. We're here every Wednesday, 2 p.m. Eastern, to talk about what's going on with StreamYard and also bring you some tips and techniques and tricks and things you can use to better your broadcast, to speed your time to market, and to help with all aspects of content creation and content marketing with, of course, a special focus on live streaming and podcasting, the two things that so many people use StreamYard for, as well as for meetings. They use it for uh, courses. They use it to stream into groups. They use it for so many different uses, including 10 people on screen. That was the big news. It came up just this weekend, and we tried it out the other night, and we'll talk about that. We'll also talk about booking guests with Brent Basham. Our guest is going to talk about booking guests, and we're going to talk about potit.net and also just general tips that you can use to have an easier time booking guests, to find guests that can make an impact on your show, and also how to do it a little bit quicker, because even, as I said, even when it goes well, it can be a time-consuming endeavor to book guests. Also, uh, the votes came in last week, and it's clear that people do want to see us try to do a panel, so in a couple weeks, we're actually going to put together a panel. Uh, Got a couple of people so far. I'm thinking about three a host and and three panelists is probably about right. Of course, we could get up to 10 now, but for now, I think we'll stick with three. We'll see how it goes, and it's something we might end up doing once or twice a month if it goes well and people seem to like it. So if you're new to StreamYard, it's a platform that makes it easy, so easy to go live with high-quality video and audio and stable. It's just so stable. Um, Let's talk real quick about the three pillars of StreamYard. There's the co-founders, Dan Briggs on the right and Gage Vandentop on the left. The three pillars of StreamYard that guide all the features and pretty much the entire user experience, ease of use, stability, and professional-looking streams. Of course, you can go to Facebook, LinkedIn Live, YouTube, Periscope that gets you on Twitter and your Twitch channel. And if that's not enough, there's also custom RTMP. So you can go to destinations not included on that list. And you just basically go to that destination. You grab a stream, a screen, a stream key. Easy for me to say. You grab a stream key and a URL. You put those pieces of information into StreamYard and you can connect to any platform that accepts RTMP. And if you need to add a username and login, you can now do that within StreamYard as well. So uh, just a reminder, we have mobile hosting that came on board last week. We talked about it a lot last week. You can host your show from an iPhone, from an Android phone, from an iPhone or uh, from an iPod, uh, iPad. Easy for me to say. iPad or or Android tablet. 
So you have a lot of options, tablets, phones, uh, you can connect. And the beauty is you really get the same experience for your viewer, whether you're on desktop, laptop, tablet, or phone. You have all the same options to uh, do overlays and backgrounds and banners and all share share uh, comments on the screen. The one thing you can't do right now is do a screen share, but using overlays, you can upload what would be slides that you might do during a screen share, and that's kind of a, a workaround. But really, the reaction has been really strong so far. Uh, people love it. They love the ability to now be freed up from home, freed up from their computer, able to go with cell connection to go live and still be able to uh, take advantage of all the great production and ease of use, getting your guest on, all the things that we love about StreamYard. So this is the big news this weekend, StreamYard. You can have 10 people on screen. Uh, the CEO, Gage Vandentop, made the announcement on the town hall on Sunday. 10 participants. So you'll be able to have up to 10 people on screen at once. It's still uh, 10 people in the studio, but all 10 of those people will now be able to, to be on screen at once. It'll be on the uh, basic and professional version. So on the free version, it's six participants. Basic and pro, you'll now be able to have uh, 10 people on screen, which I know, especially the YouTube community who came from uh, from Hangouts, that was uh, an important one as they were used to having 10 people on screen. So we hope this is a, we hope it's a welcome change. I know it, it comes up in most of these town halls. So it's a, it's a good one to add. So, and, and that came online, came live uh, late Monday night, and we jumped right on it, trying to make history and kind of, here's how it went. Oh, we got seven. Hey. Hey, we got seven. It's history, folks. Take it close. Take Coach a, Jenny. Take Ooh, a was, it, was, that, was, that, was that a lucky seven? Was that a lucky seven? <laughs> I think it was either Billy or Super Joe or Jenny. It all I came it at the Billy. same time. Uh, we'll, give it, we'll give it to Jenny. We'll give it to Jenny. I'll let her You're have very it. very kind. I'll let her have that piece of history. <laughs> okay. Oh, there we go. There's nine. Now we got well, nine. Okay. Let me so see if anybody one. else came in, too. Okay, Dale. Is this is the here. Brady Bunch Brady setting? Bunch setting? We did, we did it. All right, all right, all right. Oh, oh, oh. So we had a little bit of echo there because somebody didn't have their headphones on, but it works beautifully. There was no decline in the audio or video quality when we had 10 people on. Thanks to everybody. We had so many people jump on and test it. We, we uh, got to seven then we got up to 10. We went back down a little bit. Then we went back up to 10 a couple more times. Uh, Beauty Bubble was there most of the time. Coach Jenny was on when we hit the number. Billy Rubino was there. Uh, Sue Ann, so many different people. John DeStefano, um, Coach Jenny, as we said, uh, was... Coach Jenny, Billy Rubino, or Joe Pardo were, uh, along with uh, Beauty Bubble and myself, were the ones there when we hit seven. Then Dale Garza came in to make it ten. Uh, I know I'm missing people. Tim Gillette was there. Uh, Bonnie Frank jumped on. Barb Tomlin. So many people were a part of testing it out, and it was just a, a blast to be able to do it. And one of the cool things we also worked on a little bit was – multi-cam and if you want to have multiple cameras from 
your, say, laptop or desktop computer, it's very possible. And the way I did it was I just opened up another browser. And some people do it actually opening up different tabs, but I, I just opened up another browser. I opened up uh, Opera, and I added a, a, web, a webcam there. Uh, then I had an external webcam. I opened up uh, Firefox, added my built-in webcam, and theoretically, I could change shots. In this case, I was just trying to make sure we had enough people to hit seven or ten. Joe Pardo came on three times in the beginning when we needed it, and it was just a good time. So if you haven't checked it out, do check it out. We also played around with the different layouts. It's really cool to see how uh, ten lays out, how nine, eight, seven... And the layout that you see on the screen was actually not the favorite one amongst the participants for 10. Uh, There's a way to, uh, if you switch the look, you can have five on each level, which people like better. And you can check it out. See what happens when you put a banner on. See what happens when you go from the minimalist to the classic look for branding. Do you like having the name tags on? Do you not like having the name tags on? A lot of different things to play around with. Again, if you have the basic or pro plan, you can do this right now. Uh, It's not available at this time on the free plan, but basic and pro plan members, go ahead, give it a test. It's a lot of fun. Uh, And if you're not using StreamYard yet, you can do so by going to LivestreamUniverse.com slash StreamYard, LivestreamUniverse.com slash StreamYard, and get a special 14-day trial, which gives you all the basic plan features during those 14 days, which means you can test out 10 people on screen. Uh, Gage Vandentop, the CEO of StreamYard, talked about how some of these new features are rolling out and you can expect more to come here in July. We know things as far as feature-wise, we haven't been announcing features uh, as, as much as we did in 2019. And that's because at the beginning of the year, we were obviously very focused on, on stability. There was obviously a rapid increase in uh, in usage and the number of users. So we had to grow our support team and make sure the product was was rock solid because it doesn't matter how many cool features you have, the thing uh, doesn't work properly, right? So we, we spent a lot of time on stability, but uh, most of that, I mean, we're gonna, it's, it's a continuous process. It's, we're gonna continue working on it, but we now have a bit more time uh, on features. So last week it was mobile. Uh, this week it's, it's, it's 10 participants and we have other really big, exciting things coming uh, coming this month. And uh, well, I don't know. It's pretty late in this month, but coming in over the next few weeks. So, uh, so get ready. It's 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 going to be it's going to be some fun times because uh, a lot of work we put into is now we're actually able to start releasing some of this this stuff. So lots of exciting stuff on the way. So that was earlier this week on uh, Sunday night. So now it's July, and that was the month that he was now referring to. So expect some some rollout of new features to continue and. This is the uh, 10 person on screen. People didn't love the classic banners uh, name tags on this, but this was the preferred uh, layout that we got back to uh, later on. Uh, Zef Zan, Marissa Callie joined us uh, and we made it back to 10 people on screen again. Uh, when you're mobile hosting, uh, it looks great. You really, like we said, can set up the same experience. You have your comments, your banners, your brands. If you want to change shots, you just go into that more menu at the bottom and it'll give you the layouts. You can pick which layout you want to change to. Uh, so you have the options there. It looks very familiar to 
the experience of hosting from a laptop or desktop, uh, but not everything can obviously fit on a, a small screen. So uh, it's really user-friendly and easy to follow. If you're familiar with the desktop hosting, you should have no issue following along and, and finding where uh, the different things are that you need to get to in order to host your show the way you want to host it. Uh, you can also rearrange banners, another new feature that came along in the last couple of weeks. You can slide your banners up and down so you no longer are locked into when you entered something. If you want it to be at the bottom of the list, for example, you don't have to delete it and type it in again. You can just slide it down, rearrange the order for upcoming broadcasts. You can also edit guest names. You can edit your own name from right in the studio. You click on the three bars uh, that are in the, what would you call it, the little window of somebody's video feed when they're a guest on the show or your own window in the studio. You click on those three bars. You can edit the name. Uh, if you're not happy with the name that somebody puts in, they make a mistake, you want to quickly correct it, uh, you want to add your company name, uh, people do things differently you want to use a nickname instead of your real name whatever it is you can make those changes on the fly this is Streamyard connect i'm ross brand so good to have you with us we're here every tuesday every wednesday at 2 p.m eastern and we're live on facebook we're live on linkedin live we're live on twitch and on periscope slash twitter and our guest today is Brent Basham. He'll be joining us in just a second. Brent is the co-founder of Podit.net. He connects podcasters and live streamers with guests for interviews. Helps make it easy, quicker time to market when you need to set up an interview, find a high-quality guest. He also hosts the Podit Guest Connect live stream show, and he hosts the Long Tail Success podcast. Uh, I had the honor of being interviewed for that. The show is launching next week, July 9th. And he's also the founder of the Potted Podcast Guest Interview Facebook group. Let's bring in uh, my friend. Met him at Mid-Atlantic Podcast Conference, now the Indie PodCon. And we've gotten to know each other, enjoy talking business, enjoy talking live streaming and podcasting. Brent, welcome to StreamYard Connect. Thanks, Ross, man. I don't think I've ever had that kind of an intro before, so I feel, um, wow, I just feel flattered. Thank you. Well, now the pressure's on, then. I know, you, I know, win. right? got to deliver, <laughs> got to deliver. Now, I wanted to tell you congratulations, man. I saw that you got some big milestones today with YouTube, so huge congrats to you. Oh, thanks so much. Um, it's great to have you on. Um, I think you're... you're Website that you founded is going to help a lot of people. There's a lot of challenges when it comes to booking guests. Tell us your story a little bit, how you came to decide that this was something that was going to be very helpful to podcasters and live streamers. Yeah, sure. So like a lot of people who do podcasts, I kind of was having some conversations, uh, happened to be with a colleague at work uh, who I'd met. I went back to school for technology, computer science, and we were having these conversations about raising kids in a digital world effectively, or at least that's the new tagline that we've come up with. Um, but what we were doing, we were talking about how we're the very last digital immigrants to raise the very first digital natives. And that was never going to be another point in time like that ever again in history, right? That was a sort of a interesting place to be in history. 
So we did like what everybody would do. We said, let's just grab our microphones and let's start recording. And everybody's going to come check out our show and we're going to be rich and famous. And and that's, of course, not what happened at all. As um, anybody that podcasts or does live streaming knows, you jump in and you get five, six, you know, you, you just don't get much um, traction out of the gate for sure. It's It's a grind. It's work. It's effort. But what was cool about that was because it didn't get any traction, it freed us up to do pretty much whatever we wanted. It was our show and we started doing some things with the kids. And interestingly, we started to have guests. We reached, started reaching out to guests and I had no clue what I was doing, but I was the one tasked with going out and finding these guests, uh, finding people who might be able to talk on various subjects within the space of just raising kids in the digital world. We talked cyberbullying. We talked, um, you know, online predators. We talked, I mean, but we also talked like video games. We talked all kinds of things. And so a big source for me at the time was Amazon. And because we didn't really have a niche per se where I could go and find everybody in like real estate or everybody in like business, ours was more broad. So I was out there all over the place, all over the internet, trying to find guests, connect with them, coordinate interviews. I loved, absolutely loved the value of what these guests brought to the table when we were able to get them on, but it was a huge effort. So fast forwarding, we did that show for two and a half years. That was back, started in like 2014, did that for a while, loved it, loved the show. Um, but part of it was, as you know, Ross, all of this stuff takes time and takes effort. And part of that time and effort was the guest process. And so all of that put together led to us doing what they call pod fading, which means you take a break and then you never come back. Um, mm. You plan to, but you never show back up. And um, <laughs> But my co-host and I, and then he actually had another show about game development with another guy. So three of us uh, went out and found a couple more people later. And we said, you know, this problem is still not solved for podcasters, for guests. There's a lot of people out there trying to connect trying to find each other, trying to get these interviews. And there's not a really great way to do it. And that's where the idea of what pot it was, was created. So what are the biggest pain points that you've heard from people that you've experienced yourself? If you had a list three or four, what are the challenges that you set out to solve specifically? Uh, so I think it comes down to discoverability, um, connecting and then coordination, Right. And if you, when, when you're trying to discover people, there's different problems depending on different phases, right? So if you're a brand new live streamer or podcaster, you're a little intimidated. And so discovery for you is you're, you're, you're trying to reach out there and get a name for yourself. As you get a little more traction, though, you start to have people coming to you. And then it becomes, well, it's always a vetting issue, but it becomes more of a vetting issue and identifying the right quality because you, you've developed a back catalog. And so what topic, what angle? So, that, so it shifts a little bit as you continue to mature mm -hmm. along your journey, for sure. Um, but definitely discovering and connecting with the right guests is, is, a, tough, is a tough thing, and it's a time sink. Um, so that's problem number one, pain point number one. Uh, number two is once you identify them, do they even, are they looking to be on a show, right? If you're out there on the interwebs and you're just on Amazon or you're on various things, I've reached out to so many hosts and or guests potentially, and they may not be wanting to promote their book. They may not be wanting to come on a show. They might not want to come on your show. So you just got to be able to be told no, um, but that's definitely a pain point too. And then once you actually get them to say yes, coordination of an interview mm -hmm. can be a challenge, especially if you're trying to do like StreamYard and you're trying to have nine people on with you at one time, <laughs> 10 people, then that's a massive coordination, not just of calendars, but all of the parts with that. Because, and I noticed something too, Ross, and I wanted to mention that with live streaming, uh, I thought about this prior to our interview. 
I think there's a bit more of a risk here with live streaming, right? Because you've done all this promotion and all this stuff. And I was like, wow, what would happen? I would never do this. But what would happen to Ross if I had no-showed him right now, which has absolutely happened to me a couple of times as a podcaster, but for a live streamer, uh, that's a different game. So that's a whole other – I think there's a, a separate set of pain points for for live streamers that they need to really think about as well and having backup plans and that sort of thing. Yeah, I mean, I would probably go into some Q&A, yeah. share more about the features, and just – chat go off the top of my head rant about some topic that i'm interested in ask people to come into the in, perhaps put the link out and take mm -hmm. some questions of people calling in there's, there's a variety of different things you can do um i've been fortunate because mostly i'm interviewing fellow live streamers or people if they're on the podcast side they're pretty advanced or they have a product that they're, you know, that they founded or that they're right. promoting. So there's a risk to them to not show up. Right. And That's it's good. part <laughs> of what they do. So, but I imagine when you're booking people that you don't know, or that, you know, have really no connection to this, there isn't the same risk if they don't show up, they're not sort of falling on their face in front of their own industry. No. And and so that is something to think about. And I imagine the people, for example, who are using Podit, it's not going to be helpful to them in getting good recommendations and, you know, getting their uh, profile in front of people if they if they don't show up um, for people who may be new to doing interview shows. What do you look at? Uh, if you had to define what makes somebody a good guest, what do you look for? Is it is it a big name? Is it somebody that you have good chemistry with? Or is it somebody who's an expert or just somebody who can talk to a subject? Like, where, where do you, what do you look at? Do you look at it like, do they promote? What makes, what, what are the top criteria that, that you look at and you think people should look at when considering whether or not to book a guest? Yeah, you hit a lot of them right there. But I think the key thing is that this is your show and it's each show is so unique, right? My digital dad show that I did and, and that's a lie, but I'm not plugging it because it's we don't care about it. We don't do new episodes, but I wanted to use it as an example because right. that show, it was um, it was a whole different uh, particular guest that I was looking for versus like a business show. The business show that I'm doing long tail success, of course, strategy plays a factor. I think we'd be lying and naive if we said that there wasn't a certain strategy to the particular guests we're bringing on that is going to be a component. Um, and I would say that if you're in a niche and you can tie in a bunch of people that are in a network, it helps you to start to establish yourself and get a name uh, recognition among that group. Um, but I'm always favoring content over celebrity. Now, mm. with the new show, I've got a couple of uh, pretty big name guests, but I would, okay, I'll drop their names and people probably may or may not know them. Bob Berg of The Go-Giver and Brendan Kane of 1 Million Followers, right? But if you're not in that niche or you don't follow that stuff, you don't even know them. So celebrity right. is kind of, unless it's like a Kardashian or something, and then there's people that don't like her either. So, and I've also, I'll tell you, I won't name which one, but one of them that has the celebrity status, there's a bit of a risk there. If you're focused on celebrity over content, one thing you're going to maybe misperceive is how much they're invested in you if you're smaller. Right. So when we did Digital Dads, we had a big name guest had over two million followers on his Twitter. Right. Big name guest. And he did do a tweet. 
but it barely budged for us. Also, mm. he treated it like it was an afterthought for him. He His wife was washing dishes in the background. It just wasn't the quality of content, which is what brought people to our show, which is why people came back to our show. And so even though the name was there, even though the Twitter following was there, even though he did promote it on Twitter or at least tweet it, um, we didn't get the traction because the quality wasn't there. So I would say if you can do a little due diligence and find quality people, chemistry, humor, if that's your bag, if you're a science show or a math show, humor might not be as important, you know? Right. So it's a little situational depending on your personality, depending on your show style and a lot of factors. And at the beginning, I think you're going to have to just sort of start to figure that out because at first you're just going to have to get in there and try and iterate because you're not going to have everything figured out at first. You're going to grow and learn and look back and go, wow, look how far I've come. Yeah. I mean, that's really rude to be doing the dishes or having somebody doing the dishes. Big I mean, name, the great Rob. thing about live stream is uh, unlike say podcast where it can be very awkward because it's just you and the person on a live stream, it's a little bit easier to say, Hey, can you put some headphones on? Or right. hey, I'm hearing a banging in the background. Uh, I, I'm people are having trouble hearing or whatever. It's like, you can kind of push them to do the right thing. It's much harder on a podcast where it's like, what am I going to do? Am I going to stop and record again? Or yeah. am I going to, you know, have a fight with this person? It's a lot hey, he, easier when it's you in a live audience. <laughs> he acknowledged her doing the dishes and she just kept doing them. And it was this weird, awkward thing for a segment where we just had to edit it out. Maybe he just knew we could edit it out, but it was just, mm -hmm. I don't know. There was a lack of sort of, um, I don't know, respect for us. And so not saying that would happen. We've had some big name guests that have been amazing, but it's a, it's a risk, I think, with some of them that think they're just sort of the hierarchies shifted in their favor. It's it's different sometimes. Let's flip it around now, because part of what you're doing with Potted and part of what a lot of people who are hosting podcasts and live stream shows themselves are doing is also being guests on shows. Hardly a week goes by where I'm not doing one or two interviews about StreamYard or about live streaming or so forth. And I love doing it. And I love getting out there and, and just letting people know and answering questions. And I enjoy the fact that, you know, I then get to give more my opinions and rather mm -hmm. than set somebody else up, which is also fun because it kind of lets me think about where things are going in the industry and stuff like that. What is the value for people uh, who want to be guests on shows and what's the best way to go about doing that? Well, you know, I'm biased as far as the best way goes, right. but, but, but we're, but we're, you know, we're new, we're still in beta mm -hmm. and there's a lot of things that we're trying to set up. So there's multiple ways you can go about doing it. I would say definitely Facebook groups are, are valuable. It's a bit shotgun, but if you can find Facebook groups targeted to your niche, get in there. And this is huge. Get in there and add value, get in there and be part of the conversation, get in there and start to know a few people and get the lay of the land before you get in there and start screaming at people. Because I did an entire article about, you know, why are you screaming at me and, and being spammy McSpammerson? The mm. problem is nobody's going to listen. Everybody's got a show. Everybody's got a thing. Nobody wants to hear it. Why do they care? And if you can't identify why they care, you are wasting your time and theirs. So definitely do that. But once you do start to build those relationships and they do start to see what you have to offer and value, and they do start to see that you care about them as human beings and what they're doing, 
there's a law of reciprocity that starts to take place. You can't really expect it, but it does start to come out and say, well, hey, why don't you come, you know, and I start digging around on Ross a little bit and you and I have formed a relationship over time. I'm like, yeah, this guy, of course, you're popping up everywhere, which is great, but that's not why I have you on the show. There's a lot of value there. You're a great guy. You got a good sense of humor. You know your stuff. Um, And then look, those relationships, that's one thing I think that people miss, don't realize all the time too, is having people on your show, not with an expectation that it'll be reciprocated back on their show, but it does happen. It happens quite frequently if there's a good match and you're both in the same niche and they see that you're a good communicator. It does happen. So one thing you could do is just have people on your show and keep in the back of your mind, well, they have a show, so maybe I would be on their show one day. Um, right. I say that, but I've never really done that because you can't really think of the because <laughs> I'm I'm to a fault. I don't I don't think about what other people can do for me that much. And I've been told that you should have that in your strategy as part of your deal. But well, I, I just want to mention, I put up on your screen, your profile for those who haven't <clears throat> checked out potit.net. It's a beautiful website. You can see that. Everybody who wants to be a guest on shows can create their own profile. And then you also create profiles for your shows. So, um, for example, uh, I'll just show one here for StreamYard Connect. And yes, I do distribute the, the recording as a podcast, but you don't have to have a podcast RSS feed Mm-mm. in order to use this. You use it for... Your your pod at live stream show right yep. so you, you this is totally open and possible for live stream guests and hosts to connect using pod it. Right. And if you look at that right there, you can see there's the social media links. Um, if you go, if you want to check out um, slash digital dads, pot slash digital dads, I've got some podcast episodes there. You've got a YouTube. So the idea is that everything right there easily for someone to make a decision about whether or not they want to be on the show. Because again, Ross, one of the big key factors in it being a successful episode is did it match up correctly? The times when I can look back and say that wasn't so great. I didn't do my homework as a host or maybe there wasn't quite as good a fit or the topic. And so that could have been resolved with a little bit more due diligence, but sometimes that due diligence on the internet can be really challenging if you're trying to chase down somebody's website and find everything that way. Right. So that's the intent yeah. there. So tell us a little bit about the team at Potit. You're you've been the public face among the co-founders. Who else is working on it with you? Not, doesn't necessarily have to be their names, but just you know, tell us a little bit about the makeup of the team and where you are, where you're going with the startup. Yeah, absolutely. So we, again, doing this around jobs and everybody's kind of scrambling and um, it, it can be challenging. Uh, but at the same time, it's incredibly gratifying to be trying to put something so big into the world that matters to so many people. Um, the team is composed of myself, uh, Andrew Curry, who was my co-host on Digital Dads. Um he had another co-host, in fact, a colleague at work too, named Eduardo Castillo Fernandez. Some of you may have met if you went to PodFest. He's one of our core developers. Andrew wears a lot of hats. And then we've got Aaron Danley, um, who's our, another co-founder. He was the He's the design guy. And you're about to see a lot of cool design stuff coming from him uh, on the site real soon. And then we've got a few other people flanking that are newer, um, that are kind of getting their heels. You can see all that on YouTube and get their background um, developers. And we just kind of had to scale a team a little bit to try to deliver on what we're trying to do. What's neat is that we've already seen enough traction to say this idea resonates with us. And so now it's up to us to try to execute and make it into what's in our heads and get that translated out into the web and the real world (laughs) so that you guys can use it and, and get the benefit of it. 
And how do you plan to monetize it? Is it advertising? Is it subscriptions? Tell us about your your plans for monetization. So on the podcast side or the live stream side, we want that's the platform. And so that doesn't mm-hmm. cost anybody anything. On the guest side, and you're going to see some stuff coming out here real soon. We also wanted to make sure that so when I had the old show, we had like a university professor on there. We had a doctor on there who may not get an ROI per se from being a guest, but we mm-hmm. know those people are really valuable for a network. So we've got them in there. Um, and so there's a really strong free offering for guests. Then if you want to um, basically make a better first impression, you can upgrade your profile. And if you want to basically get, you know, spotlighted out in um, various searches and things like that. So that's all under the rock star category. Um, so right. that's a monetized piece. And that's really where I think you're going to see some, some things come out here. I can't really talk too much about it, but um, in the next probably couple months, that'll really start to highlight value for the people who pay. While right. at the same time, simultaneously being very still useful for people who aren't paying. Um, and that's sometimes tricky, but I think, we, I think we've really nailed it here with the next stuff we're launching. Anything else you can share as far as uh, what's coming to the site going forward? And also, whether there is or there's not, I, I just want to say that what's interesting is it seems like on the podcasting side, more so than the live streaming side, there's something out there's so many startups and businesses around podcasting help you with your podcast and everything mm-hmm. and um i think it's quite an accomplishment to come in and make an impact with a new website or a new app around podcasting how did you like how did you come to the idea that have the confidence to put your time and and maybe your dollars as well into something like this when there's such a crowded market I think on the podcast side for services and, mm-hmm. and s- startups. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I think maybe personality is part of it for sure, but also um, my skill set's always kind of been just problem solving, whether it be math, whether it be science, whether it be computer science, I'm just a problem solver. I see things, I attack them, I break them down and I deconstruct them. That's just a, that's just a nature that I have. And so I've learned to trust that over a long period of time, my entire life. And so when we looked at this and myself and Andrew, and he's kind of the same way, and we all looked at this and we had the experience. I think this is key too, because some people have come into this space and become podcasters after the fact, it doesn't mean they're not building great products, but we came in as podcasters saying this pain point we had as podcasters, podcasters hasn't been solved yet. And I will say to you, Ross, Blaine right here and be very candid. What we have right now is effectively two directories, one on the live stream or or podcast side, one on the guest side and a way for them to connect. What you will see here very soon is an entirely different product. You asked me about like, um, what does this become? So imagine uh, a Facebook-like experience where you can see somebody can talk about this today because this is topical. And then you have the uh, opportunity to then go and see and vet them based on their profile. So all of a sudden the profile is there. You can browse that, but there's a more immediate sort of feed kind of thing that's more tangible to you and and, and it's interesting and it's new and it's different. It also gives people a way to surface to the top if they go in and create their profile now yeah, it can still get found with search, but it's a directory and it's not as uh, people are more accustomed to a Facebook like experience. So there's something we're kind of uh, that's early on, but that's still probably two, three months out. But that's part of another piece we're building, which is called our interview inbox. And the inbox is going to be a state driven um, 
so when you have an interview, you make an interview request and then I, you might request to inter- be interviewed on my show. And I say, well, I'm interested in that Ross, maybe. And then that opens up dialogue. And so what we do is we create this interview object and it moves through and it goes, it goes from, it was a request. Now it's uh, in, you're marking it as interested. Now you're marking it as accepted. Now you're marking it as recorded and it's going through all the States. Well, as we hit those States, we know then that we can tie in other services later to those because we know where you are in the process. Right. We know that you've now sent out the interview to me and, you know, we're going to need to record so we could potentially marry in StreamYard so you could kick it off from right from there, all from that centralized place. Right. So what we believe is this is going to end up saving people a whole lot of time um, as we move forward. And then the other thing we're doing a little bit more cosmetic, but also helping surface one of our big key initiatives coming up is helping you identify good guests, quality guests, people that are relevant to you. And so one of the things we're doing is we're revamping the uh, logged out homepage. We're revamping a lot of stuff on the inside to highlight people who are being active, people who are being invited to really kind of, and we're sending out emails to you, Ross. Hey, Ross, look, here's some people you might want to have on your show. What's nice there is if we do good and those algorithms improve, then we're going to learn what Ross wants. And all of a sudden Ross doesn't have to spend all that time out there in discovery because maybe every once in a while we hand deliver you one. So all of those things put together, we feel like are really going to save you a lot of time. And a lot of what we're doing right now is building a skeleton of a framework really so that we can piggyback a whole lot of exciting things, even more so on that. There's a long roadmap ahead. Um, Mm -hmm. But I think you're going to see a lot come out over the next eight to 12 weeks that are really going to surprise some people about it being a very different product. You know, I would recommend people, even if your podcast or your live stream show right now doesn't need guests, or maybe it's not even a guest-based show, I would recommend doing a profile anyway for your podcast or your live stream show, because it's kind of like the LinkedIn of (laughs) live streaming or podcasting. You get to put all your credentials, your pictures, your video clips You get to describe your podcast. It's another place to be found. It's another link to give people when you want to show them what you're doing in Mm -hmm. an organized, nicely, professionally designed profile for your podcast uh, or your live stream show. Uh, What are your thoughts on that? Like, Even if right now, say, getting a guest on isn't a need, you might as well create it and and let it be out there. Let 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 the desire build in people. But it's also just a great way to show what you're doing to people who might be interested in your show. Yeah. And, you know, what you can do, and I think a lot of people might do, how many people out here don't want more viewers or more people in their community? (laughs) Right. I mean, show of hands, it's going to be crickets. Everybody does. We all do. Right. So one of the best ways to do that is get on other shows, get on other podcasts, get your name out there. Ross, you and I are on right now because we've been on other shows at events. We know and we're in that community. We're connecting with other people. And so you can leverage our platform and others to get your name out there more. You know, the whole get name of the game with my new show is no like, and trust. Well, if they don't know you, they're never going to like, and trust you. They have to know you first. And that's where you could go in there, set up your profile, have your show in there. Even if like you say, we're going to actually put some toggles where you don't have to accept guests, but it's a credibility factor and people might have you on as a guest. Right. Right. Which can help them know about your show or you can ask to be on other shows as a guest, which can help to grow your show. And there's a free version. So 
But like you said, too, it's not going to hurt with SEO either because a lot of that's public facing. And so Google crawlers can find all mm. that stuff. And it's just going to be backlink, like all of that stuff. You're going to go on our site, create your profile, put backlinks to all your stuff. That helps your SEO just right there. It costs you nothing but a little bit of time. And it's not even that much time. So we're talking with Brent Basham. He's the co-founder of Podit.net. It's a great app for a website for putting your both your podcast and your live stream show, but also for creating a guest profile. And it just speeds the time to market for booking guests for your shows or getting booked on shows. We want to take some questions, if that's all right with you, Brent, uh, about guesting on on podcasts and live stream shows about uh, Podit. And then uh, if there's some questions about podcasting, live streaming in general, we can take a look at those as well. Todd Carter asks, how do I become a guest in your list on podit.net? How does a new user go about getting started? Um, so you just go to podit.net and sign up and it'll offer you a choice as you, once you verify your email, it'll offer you a choice. Do you want to be, and you can do both later, but do you want to be a guest or a podcast? And then you go through a couple of steps and it's in the directory that quickly. Once you do that, and I would encourage you to go through then and, and make your profile better because you're only as good as what you're going to look like. It's kind of like LinkedIn, right? You can do the bare minimum <clears throat> so you can polish it up. But once you're in, you can then go out and reach out to a podcast to be a guest. Or if you have a show, you can reach out to people to be a guest on your show. It sends them an email. They come to the site and boom, you're connected. It's not complicated. Yeah. Now, an interesting topic for when you have a guest on a live stream show and you're doing an interview, how do you then decide when to go to the chat or not? Brian asks, uh, when live streaming on Facebook, do you suggest a special segment for Q&A from people posting questions or answer, answer randomly during the podcast? So I guess it depends on your style, Ross, and you're definitely more of an expert for this question. Um, but I would say I've seen it both ways. And... For me personally, I like the interactiveness. I like to go down the rabbit hole. I like the randomness of it. So I kind of go wherever it takes me. But there's a danger there to where you can go off topic. And I've seen it happen where the entire session ends up not covering what they intended to cover. So it really depends on your goal of that particular show. If you're a little more freestyle and that's what your audience resonates with, sure, go for it. Um, but yeah, either way can work, I think. Awesome question here from Sonia, because this is something that does come up from time to mm. time when people want to know, what are we going to talk about? Uh, and she asked, do you go the length of actually giving questions to guests, particularly to famous guests who, you know, it's not easy to get on your show in the first place. So if they say, can you fax me the, you know, fax me, God, I'm dating myself. Talk about a digital immigrant. <laughs> You're dating me too. Yeah. I, I, can you email me? Can you text me? Can you Facebook message me a yeah. list of questions? I used to have uh, a beeper. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Page me when you've got those questions ready. Mm. In other words, what, what are your thoughts on giving people a uh, list of questions ahead of time? And particularly if it's a, a famous guest or somebody you really want to get on your show. Yeah. So I don't like doing it at all. I've had maybe, mm -hmm. I think six guests that you would qualify as pretty, pretty tied to your like best-selling authors and that kind of thing. What I've found is that some of them become, never mind the question list. Uh, it's hard to get them off of being rehearsed, right? Mm -hmm. They have canned answers for almost everything you could answer, ask them because they go on today's show, they go on all these things and they are 
on it, on it, on it, on it. And so I would be less worried about a famous guest giving them questions because I feel like they're going to be able to roll with it. They've been hit a million times by all kinds of different people. They're more professional at it at the actual being interviewed, which is a skill versus somebody that doesn't have that celebrity, maybe hasn't done it a lot. I might give them a cheat sheet. And I'd also Mm. expect to have to maybe coddle them or know when to jump in and pull it back and bail them out. Uh, But I wouldn't be as reluctant to do it with famous guests. I actually try, I actually go the other direction with famous guests and try to find things that, you know, angles on their topic or or really think about it and find things that might be interesting that they haven't, gotten before if i can get a famous guest to kind of go hmm that's a really good question i love that because they're having to stop and think right and and they respect it too most of the Mm -hmm. time i mean unless they're really trying to hide something in in general it's like wow you you really want to have a conversation about this you're not just asking the same list of questions that i've been asked a hundred times you're pushing new ground on this and a lot of times they like that it opens up a new area of conversation it's different yeah, um, and you do have to be careful though, because the publicist may want that, right? Mm-hmm. But I always, I always have pushed back and say, "Well, here it is." But would it be okay, especially when you're doing a podcast, because you can edit it; it's easier than with a live right, stream. Right. So, and get that. Oh, also another thing: do a guest release form too, if you can. There's some different free templates out there for that, because that will protect you after the fact if they want to say whatever. And I always try to lean on, you know, helping them out as best I possibly can. But you want to protect yourself um, if they ever come back and try to say slander or something. There's probably right. a bigger risk with like a celebrity than other people. Yeah, and I think there's sort of a it's particularly with celebrities, best-selling authors, uh, you know, rock stars, you know, politicians, whatever. When there's a sort of and and I kind of treat every guest this way, right? There's this sort of unwritten social compact that, like, I know you've got something to promote. I know you mm-hmm. have a product, a website, you have a service that you're putting out there that you're working on. I'm going to give you a chance to talk about that during the interview. And I'm also going to ask you about your area of expertise, you know, which may not only be that, but it may be podcasting in general, or there may be things in the news I want to ask you, whatever, but it's, it's sort of like, I think you can work both into the interview Mm -hmm. where you, you let them have a chance to promote their book. For example, you ask a couple questions about that, and then you sort of free yourself up to now I can go on. Or the other way, if they seem impatient, then you ask them the tough questions first, and then you, yeah, we'll get to the book in just a minute, but first, what do you think of? (laughs) Yeah, vetting is really important because some of the guests can really go the wrong way on you and really be over-promoting and dropping the URL or the .com every few minutes. It gets to be, I've had it get to be overbearing, so... Yeah, but on a podcast, that's a little easier. On the live stream, the only thing I could could recommend is do a bit more vetting. Try to look at the social graph a little bit and make sure there's recommendations and things like that. You know, for for podcasting, uh, Brian Hebson asks, "What length of time is makes for an effective podcast? Is there a length of time? Is there a way to know?" whether your podcast is too short, too long, just right. (laughs) So I think everybody has a different point of view on this. You know, Rogan does what a three hour plus show. Um, So it really just depends on your personality. And if it's, if it gets a period where it's like you're fleshing it out and it's like not interesting anymore. Sure. But if you're making a show that's long form, there's people that love listening to long form. I think it depends a lot on your audience. And th- that's one thing too. It's easy and free to set up a Facebook group. I would recommend doing that pretty quickly as much as you can. So you can start getting that feedback to help you evolve and grow your show. Cause they will tell you 
if it's too long or if it's too short or whatever, they'll, they will, they will help guide you into because, and the, the hardest thing is getting them to pay attention in the first place. But once they are, they're going to help guide you. Question from Roy here. And I'll just summarize it as how do you prep your guest? Because when you have a guest on who may not be familiar with the technology or just, you know, you want to make sure they've got the right, audio and video connection to have the quality what you want, but you, you kind of don't want to offend them either. You, you don't want to give them an assignment. Like how do you handle that dance to where you're making sure that they're going to be stable and that their audio and video are good, but you also want to do it as gently or as politely mm-hmm. or, you know, what, what is, do you have a process for that? Do you send an email? What do you, how do you go about doing that? So like with everything, it seems here, it kind of depends a little bit on who you're interviewing because some people, when we were doing digital dads, we did have a lot of people who had a challenge with this. When I'm doing this business podcast, I'm talking to people like Ross. So (laughs) he's clearly really in, I don't really have to even say anything to Ross. Um, Future state is something we want to build into. You remember I talked about those states in the, in the uh, interview inbox that we were talking about future state. We want to build something like that in and you could sort of, and that way it's a little less, less in your face. Cause I know a lot of people have difficulty with that kind of thing to a guest, but the system can prompt them right. And help them be better. Uh, as far as software, a lot of people use zoom. A lot of people use Skype. I think both of those don't record locally if I'm not mistaken. And mm-hmm. so when the internet gets wonky or this connection gets bad, you just get what you get. Uh, there's a couple others out there like Squadcast, Riverside FM, uh, Get Welders, a new one that record locally audio and in certain cases video. Those have been promising, but it's still a little glitchy. Um, the best thing I could do is say prompt them and just maybe in, if you use like a calendar tool, I have a little thing in that. So when they do the when they go and schedule it, it auto responds with, hey, make sure you have headphones. Try to if you can't have a hardwired Internet connection, that kind of thing. Right, right. You're going to do everything you can to try to get them set up and they're still going to fail on you sometimes if depending on who they are. I mean, that's it's a reality and hopefully you won't have to throw out any episodes because of it. But I would say do the best you can and then go forward. Yeah, and StreamYard does actually a really good job of mixing the audio and video from people mm-hmm. of very different quality. And if you have a really good setup, for example, you can disable the audio processing. But if your guest is struggling with their audio or you're hearing an echo or whatever, make sure that they do have that processing turned on. Uh, yeah. and, and that can that can help a lot, even if they don't have the right equipment or are in the, the, the best, the best setting. want to mention, uh, Tony's watching over on LinkedIn live and he says he's excited oh, to fun. be hosting his first panel next Tuesday, just <laughs> extended invitations to a few more guests. Now that we can have 10 on screen. That's Good luck awesome. with that, Tony. You're better man than let, I am. Let us know when that's cut. Let us know. Uh, I, I want to check that out. I want to see a, a panel with 10 people or eight people, seven people. Ross, so we used to, on my old show, Digital Dads, we used to just randomly let any uh, dad come on the show <laughs> right, and do like right. a, a roundtable. And talking about qual- audio quality and herding cats, it was incredibly hard. So kudos to anybody that goes down that road. Hopefully you know these people. <laughs> uh, so he says, I, they can't upload a video, only five minutes. I need about one hour. Uh, you can do. You can share a video by screen share. If it's long, you need longer than five minutes. Mm. You just slide that video into a browser, select the browser, your Chrome browser tab, 
and you can play it as a screen share, uh, such as like when I do this, now I'm sharing my screen. You can play a video that way as well if you need longer than uh, five minutes. So uh, as you look to the future of live streaming and podcasting and, and pod it, where do you see this going? I mean, now so many people are are using this technology because they're at home and they've mm -hmm. been forced to, whereas before uh, it was more the specialist, the marketer, the, you know, the person who had an enthusiasm for tech or for uh, this type of communication. Where do you see this going? Do you think podcasts are going to grow? Do you think live streams are going to continue to grow? Do you think people will be able to monetize it more? Or do you think, you know, it's still going to be uh, a, a tough tough role for a lot of people where do what do you see coming as we look ahead through the rest of 2020 and beyond yeah i think it will grow i think you'll see correlating with the spike covid right i think you're going to continue to see people spike because it's an amazing way to connect whether it be live stream or podcasting it's just it's proven itself to be and also it's a potential revenue stream I think, unfortunately, some people get into it thinking that's what they're going to do. And they're going to get all these, like I did with Digital Dads, and you're going to get all these people listening, and then you're going to get all the sponsor dollars. Um, monetization is a whole different thing. But obviously, you're using this as part of a bigger platform. And if you're right. strategic about it, yes, monetization can be a part of it. I don't think, though, it's going to be strictly in terms of download numbers or views numbers. I think it's more in terms of the clients that you can connect with or just building a platform where people can funnel into some other products and services. Maybe you have that kind of thing. Um, but I think what you'll see is that, and again, who knows if I'm right, I'm just guessing, but you'll see this spike that goes up and then it'll settle down some after we, hopefully we come out of COVID, but I think it'll still always keep a high percentage because it's addictive. And while it go, people keep flooding in and a bunch of them fall out because they realize it's work, but then a lot of them stick around and a lot of them become better. And a lot of them do another podcast later or a live stream later. And they grow because they want to have their voice out there. They like participating. Right. And I love having more voices and participating in tools like StreamYard and others that are enabling that to happen because my gosh, imagine if this happened to us 50 years ago, back when we had the pagers, I don't know what we'd be doing, paging each other all the time. You know, it's just, <laughs> it's just a whole different world. And so, I mean, given the circumstances, it's, it's always how you look at it. Right. And I mean, given the circumstances, at least we are able to connect, able to elevate each other, learn from each other. It's powerful stuff. Yeah. And you're making it easier by creating a website that can connect people and help you vet guests, help you book guests, help you connect with people who are also podcasting or live streaming or just find those guests that you need to make your show great. Uh, he's not only the co-founder, as we showed before, he's actually got his own client. profile. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's also a client, so yeah. you can actually book Brent to be a guest on your show and talk about podcasting and live streaming and uh, guest hosting and all sorts of uh, topics. It's it's just great having you on. Uh, I love what you're doing, and I appreciate you coming on and sharing some tips about being a guest. and And all the best with Potit. We look forward to following how things go for you uh, over the next couple of years. Likewise, Ross. I'm a huge fan of you too, man. So thanks for the opportunity. Thanks so much. Uh, that is Brent Basham. Again, you can find Potit.net, the website. A uh, lot of questions. Hey, uh, Tachi's here, our guest from last week. Frazier Ramsey's here. 
let me see how many questions I can get to in the next few minutes. And if not, I'll go get them in the chat. Uh, Chammy asks one more question. Can I share only sound when I'm the host without seeing my avatar? That is a good question. Uh, I could test that. Let's see. If I take myself off, I believe you can take yourself off screen. Well, here's one way you could do it, right? With a screen share, I could put the screen share full screen. Now you don't see my avatar. Uh, you could do that with an overlay as well. And you can pause uh, the video, for example. Uh, you, can, you can unmute yourself. Let me, I'm thinking this through here, but yes, there's ways to do it. Like I said, uh, you can, you can take the screen share and go full screen with a, a screen share. Uh, you could also put an overlay on that's a solid overlay, not a transparent overlay. And when you're doing that, then you would be, uh, behind the overlay. So you wouldn't be seen, your avatar wouldn't be seen. And then you just unmute the mic uh, which automatically mutes when you put an overlay on the full screen, at least with audio and video it does. So that's that's one way you could do it. Uh, so I uh, hope that helps. Uh, not sure if I answered the question exactly. Uh, Beauty Bubble says, and you can have a full screen of color too, a solid color. That is correct. You can. Uh, there's so much you can do between overlays and screen shares and backgrounds. Uh, to make things work for you. Um, Fraser Ramsey says, helps if you're not using the laptop microphone as feedback can happen a lot. Yeah, as we were talking earlier about what it takes to have good audio quality. Uh, question here about, could you repeat how to fix the echoes and sound issues of people coming on screen? Absolutely. So, when you are connecting your audio, you have the ability to disable the processing that StreamYard adds. If you're having guests come on who don't have great audio, if you're hearing an echo, if you're hearing a, a lot of artifacts, if the, the sound levels are balanced, ask your guests to make sure that they have the process that they, they haven't turned off the processing. Because the audio processing that StreamYard uses will help cancel the echo and the noise. So it's about keeping that processing on. Of course, best practices are to have earbuds or headphones uh, so that the sound isn't coming out of your computer speakers and then bleeding back through somebody's mic. You can also mute people when they aren't speaking. Sometimes you have to do that uh, in order to make sure that uh, the sound from one of your participants, particularly if you have a big panel, isn't distracting the entire uh, broadcast. Jim Fuse, yeah, uh, we actually scrolled by your uh, podcast and your profile on Podit. He says he really likes Podit. We just uh, added Launch Your Live to it. Congratulations on the new podcast. Uh Rosalind says, when you say turn off, do you mean check the box or not check the box? Let me take a look at which way it is. I always forget. Uh, yes, so the box should be unchecked. 
because uh, if you check the box, you're checking the box to disable audio processing. So if you need that audio processing for the sound to be better, you want that box to not be checked. And that can either be for you or your guest, depending on where the issue is coming from. For example, I can have the uh, processing, the audio processing turned off for myself and I can still encourage my guests to turn it on so that everything will be coming along uh, properly on their side. You can get the benefits of the technology that StreamYard applies. Uh, Jamie says, hi, sometimes the screen is getting all yellow on my live streams. Any idea why? Uh, not off the bat. I could say that perhaps it's your lighting. Uh, if you're going live at night and you have a certain lampshade or you have a certain coloring to your light, I had that issue. Uh, if you're using a webcam, you could go into webcam settings and you could change the settings, change the lighting, change the saturation, change the contrast, play around with it. There's an inexpensive, it's either free or very inexpensive. If you're on a Mac, it's called webcam settings. If you're using a webcam, you can go into that and you can play around with uh, some of the settings. It's almost necessary uh, depending on, on what kind of lighting you have. Um, so that that is something that's important. This is StreamYard Connect. I'm Ross Brand. Thank you for all the questions. Uh, I'm going to head back into the chat after the show and see if there are other questions I didn't uh, get to. So Rav asks, can you do a live stream in Podit? No, you would use a tool like this, for example, StreamYard or another live streaming tool. Podit's a way to create a profile and connect with a guest or connect with a host. Uh, Allie asks, any plans to have more than 10 people backstage? I don't know. I do not know at this point if that is something that they're working on. Uh, the town hall is a great time to ask the co-founders those questions. And I should mention that we do have other shows here on uh, StreamYard. Let's take a look at those. We have StreamYard Town Hall every Sunday night at 9 p.m. Eastern. If you want to go right to the source, Gage Vandentop and Dan Briggs, the co-founders, host the town hall. They take your questions. It's a great time to ask about features, ask about things going on with the platform, give them your feedback. Uh, you can find that on Facebook Live, YouTube Live, Periscope slash Twitter, and LinkedIn Live. We're here every week now, uh, Wednesdays, 2 p.m. Eastern for StreamYard Connect. That's on Facebook, LinkedIn Live, Twitch, Periscope slash Twitter. And then our newest show is StreamYard Spotlight. You can find that Thursdays, 8 p.m. Eastern. Dana Benz and Kelsey Benz host that, and that's on the StreamYard Facebook page. It's a great opportunity to learn about how people are using StreamYard. They interview StreamYard users and talk about the, the platform and how people are doing what they're doing. So it's a, it's a great way to uh, find out what others are doing and see what you can incorporate into your own broadcast. Thank you all so much for being a part of this. It's been a lot of fun. If I didn't get to your question, uh, I will swoop by the chat in a little bit and uh, 
try and answer best I can. Uh, we appreciate all the questions and we appreciate everybody being here. And again, thanks to our guest, Brent Basham of Podit.net. He was fantastic. Uh, just a wonderful time talking with him. And we've got some good stuff to come. So stay tuned. We'll also be uh, repurposing some clips from the show. So you have the option to catch the replay on the StreamYard Facebook page or any of the other social networks that we stream to, as well as clips. If you want to do a watch party, we love that. If I'm around, I'd love to jump in and join as well. So thanks, everybody, and we'll talk to you again next week on StreamYard Connect.